This is a Faith FM podcast. You're listening to The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen, right across Australia, right here on Faith FM. Hello there, and thanks again for joining me once again. I'm Robbie Bergen, and you're listening to The Faith Experiment, and this is episode number 28, and I'm calling this episode, Practice What You Preach. Now, if you're joining me for the first time on The Faith Experiment, this show is about putting faith into practice. And so far, I have shared with you my own personal journey of faith and how I went from a non-believer to a faith experimenter. And over the last few episodes, we have been exploring this theme of Bible study. The most requested question I get on this show is, Robbie, how do you study your Bible? And so I've taken the last few episodes to explore this theme And on this episode, I'll be sharing with you tips on how to find an application from your Bible study and how to apply it to your own life. I think you're really going to find today's episode very, very helpful. Now, on this episode, I have a great book to give away. You you absolutely want this book. There's no question about it. If you want to get into Bible study and discover what the Bible teaches on various different topics, this is the book for you. You are absolutely going to need this book to add it to your resource library. This book contains more than 4,000 questions of the Bible. 4,000 questions. And this book answers every one of those questions with Bible texts. Some of the topics in this book are things like the Bible. What is it? How does it work? How to study the Bible and how to understand it. It's got topics about sin, about its origin, the results of sin, the remedy to sin. It's got questions around the way of Christ, the life and teachings of Christ. There's questions about the Holy Spirit, questions about coming events and the signs of the times, questions about God's law, Christian liberty, Christian growth and experience. You have to get this book. So stick around to get today's code word during the show, and you'll need to text the code word to 04888-45311. So save this number in your phone right now. Here it is again, 04888-45311. And get ready for today's code word to get this incredible book. You don't want to miss this opportunity. So let's recap so far what we've covered as we've been looking at this theme of Bible study. First of all, we started this journey by discovering what the actual purpose of the Bible is. And we found that the purpose of the Bible, according to the teachings of Jesus, is that it serves as a living witness to who he is and to what he is. And then we found that the Apostle Paul expands on this and explains how this happens. And it happens through the process of seeing Christ through those four lenses. I hope by now, if you've been listening to the show, that you have memorized these four lenses. The lens of doctrine, the lens of correction, the lens of reproof, and the lens of instruction in righteousness. And as we study the Bible, it's through these four lenses that we should see in every theme, every text, and every passage, the ultimate goal of the Bible, which is being introduced to Jesus. And it's through this process that we are transformed into men and women of God. And we are equipped or supplied with every good work. And so this is our framework. This is our starting place. Whenever we pick up the Bible, we are going to have an end game that we are to be changed. And so far, as we've looked through the Bible, we've been looking at the 
the technique of actually studying it and drawing out the questions. But remember, the end game is it transforms us. And that's why today's topic is so important. We then next explored the anatomy of the Bible. We discovered the purpose of those two divisions of the Old and New Testament, how that the Old is pointing forward to Jesus, while the New Testament's looking back and pointing back to Jesus. We found the role of chapters and verses, and we understand that as a Bible student, these things should not limit or restrict our study of the Bible, but they're there to help us to reference and to index the words. We then next looked at the process of revelation, and we found that it's God that starts with these revelations, and then he impresses these revelations upon the mind of the human prophet through the role of the Holy Spirit, and then the prophet uses their own words, their own culture, their own ideas, their own expressions to communicate this original revelation. And for us as Bible students, remember, this is important to always have in our minds because when we pick up these passages from these prophets, whether it be the Old Testament prophets or the New Testament prophets, we have to remember that they're writing these revelations out using the expressions of their mind, of their culture, of their day. And this is why as 21st century Bible students, we don't approach the scriptures as a a modern book. We approach it as a book that was written in a specific time. And so we try to find the original message for the original audience. We also established why the Bible has the 66 books in the canon or the scripture. And we found evidence that suggests that the 27 books of the New Testament were all chosen and placed in order in the time of living apostles, which means that as Bible students, we can have confidence that what we're studying is the same text that the early Christians had or the same Hebrew text that the the teachers had in the time of Christ. And next on this journey of Bible study themes, we explored translation methods and sources of our English Bibles. We saw that we need to focus on Bible translations that come from the majority text, not the minority text. And we should use a more word-for-word translation as this will help us get closer to that original thought of the original author. And then we went on a whirlwind tour of storytelling and found that the entire Bible is made up of individual stories that build one grand story, making up a grand storyline with those seven unique chapters all tied together with what I call the seven golden threads, which for the Bible student, knowing the storyline helps us understand what we're studying in light of the overall story. And it helps us know which chapter in the story we are. And as we study these passages, we can look for those seven golden threads, which serve as clever ways to help us find clues of what the passage is trying to tell us and how it's connected to the overall story. And then we looked at how that biblical hermeneutics has impacted the Christian family over the past 2,000 years and how that everyone who approaches interpreting the Bible, if we're not unified on the way that the Bible is interpreted, we're in danger of coming up with things like, well, the Bible means to me this, but it might mean to you that. And we end up with what we call eisegesis, where we put a meaning into the text, versus exegesis, where we're extracting the original meaning. We then looked at the biblical framework of Bible study, which comes from Ezra chapter 7, verse 10, where Ezra tells us that there are four steps in his approach to encountering the Bible. We first read how Ezra prepared his heart and then sought the law of the Lord. And then he did it, or applied it, and then he taught it. And so as we spent time looking at preparing the heart, we found that preparing our heart is to do with our emotions and our feelings. It's the things that we're eating. It's how we're sleeping. It's the relationships we have, the music we're listening to, the shows we're watching. All of these things affect how we feel, which then impacts how we think. And when we open up the Bible, it can be either a hindrance or a help. 
We also looked at the second step of Bible study, which was seeking the law of the Lord. This is the actual opening of the scriptures, and we call this step observation. And I share with you a few steps that I use to study the Bible. Once I pick up the passage, I find the extent. I read it five to seven times, and we look for these questions that the text can answer, using questions like who, what, when, why, which, where, and how. And so we actually picked up the Bible, and we looked at the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 8, and we put it into practice. And on our last episode, we looked at how to arrive at the meaning of the original text. We looked at the interpretation stage of Bible study. And we continued our exercise by looking at Matthew chapter 8, verse 1 to 3. And we found clues using genre. We found that this passage uses the genre of narrative. And that led us to looking at our three E's. How did our character enter the story? What did our character encounter in the story? And what changes came to our character as they exited the story. Now, if you missed any of the previous episodes and you want to catch up some of these details, you need to go and get the Faith FM app from your app store or go to faithfm.com.au and look under the podcasting section for The Faith Experiment. You can also find The Faith Experiment on all good podcasting platforms, making it easy for you to keep up to date with The Faith Experiment. And so now we are ready to continue our study of the Bible using Ezra's framework. We're on to the last two steps. The step of application, that's putting it into practice, and the step of teaching it or sharing it. That's why I'm calling this episode, Practice What You Preach. Well, it's time to take a short break now, but when we come back, we'll continue with the Bible study process by finding ways to discover the application of a passage. And don't forget to stick around for the code word to get today's free book, Bible Readings for the Home. I'll be right back after this with The Faith Experiment. You're listening to The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen, right across Australia, right here on Faith FM. Connect with us via text message on 4 That's 4 Or send an email to robbie at faithfm.com.au. Thought had gone astray. Oh, I believe, yes, I believe that I will go back home. Oh, I believe, yes, I believe that I will go back home. Oh, I believe, yes, I believe that I will go back home and be a servant of the Lord. When his father saw his son coming, he met him with 
hand and threw his arms around him. Lord, 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 this is my darling child. Oh, I believe, yes, I believe that I will go back home. Oh, I believe, yes, I believe that I will go back home. Oh, I believe, yes, I believe that I will go back home and be a servant of the Lord. I believe, yes, I believe that I will go back home. Oh, I believe that I will go back home. This is the Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen. Right across Australia, right here on Faith FM. Listen live or listen later. Get the Faith FM app from your app store today. Welcome back to the Faith Experiment. I'm your host, Robbie Bergen, and this is episode 28 of the Faith Experiment. And I'm calling this episode, Practice What You Preach. And coming up on today's episode is a code word for a book that you absolutely have to get. If you don't have this book, you need to get this book today. It is Bible Readings for the Home. It is absolutely essential for any serious follower of Jesus. It is a book that contains more than 4,000 questions, and every single question is answered by the Bible itself. So make sure you stick around to get the code word. Save this number on your phone right now, 4 That's 4 45311, save that number to your phone and get ready for today's code word. So we're talking about Bible study. And remember that every single Christian is called to study the Bible because it's through this process that we encounter Jesus. And ultimately, it's through this process that we're transformed into men and women of God. And over the past few episodes, we have done all the preparation to get us to the point of today's episode. And now we're up to the third step in Ezra's framework. That's the application. You see, Bible study is much more than just an intellectual classroom exercise. Bible study is a lifelong transforming process. And now we've come to the most critical part of Bible study, the application. Once we know what a passage means, we've done our observation, we've done our interpretation. Once we understand what the original intent of that passage was, what it means, we are now responsible to live it. See, application flows out of a thorough observation and a correct interpretation. The application process always results in doing something. This is where you could say the rubber hits the road in the Bible study uh, process. Application takes place as we're confronted with the truth, the truth of this message, and as we respond to it in obedience, and as we've seen, the result is transformation. Now, no matter how much you know about the Bible, about God's will, about his character, his revelations. If you don't apply that to your life, the scripture and the study of the scripture will never, ever benefit your life. 
Oh, you might be able to win some competition of reciting the most facts or something to that effect, but it has no transforming process, no transforming power in your life. And this is what the Bible actually says in the Greek New Testament book of James in chapter 1, verse 22. We're told that we're not to just be hearers of the word only, but to be doers of the word. This is why application is so vital. Observation and interpretation are the hearing of God's word. This is where we understand what the message is. Whereas application is the embracing of that truth and doing it. It's the doing of God's word. In this application stage, we're going to answer questions like, how does the meaning of this passage apply to me? Now, remember, when we did observation, We never ask questions about what we think of the text means or how we feel about the text. None of those questions exist in the observation stage or the interpretation stage because if we do that, we're putting ourselves into the passage and that puts a meaning into it, puts a bias into it. So that's what we call eisegesis. We were trying to do exegesis, allow the original meaning to come out. But once we have got the original meaning, now the question changes. Now the question is, so what does this meaning mean to my life today? What's the application of this passage? And this is where it's very important that we've done our research, we've done our questioning, we've done our interpretation correctly. Because whatever you arrive at as being the meaning of the passage in the interpretation stage is going to dramatically impact how you apply the passage. Basically means this, if you interpret the passage wrong and you try to apply it, the application of it to your life will also be wrong. So that's why, again and again and again, the observation interpretation stages are critical to getting it right. Because if we get that right, we automatically find applications. The, the word speaks directly to our context and our time because we understood the meaning to the original audience. So in this stage of application, we answer questions like, how does the meaning, that's the interpretation of the passage, how does it apply to me today? What are the what are the truths that I need to embrace? Or what are the things I need to believe or understand? Or how does my life need to change in order to be in harmony with this principle? What is it in my my whole makeup, in my life, my relationships, my 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 attitudes? What is it? that this interpretation impacts now. Where does it hit the road? This is why in the Greek New Testament book of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, we've read this passage before. This is why Paul explains that the study of the Scripture is meant to work in our lives during this application stage. He said that all of the Scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for our doctrine, for our reproof, for our correction, and for our instruction in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. And so in this application, we must apply the scriptures, the meaning that we have discovered, apply it in the light of its teaching, its reproofs, its correction, and its training or instruction in righteousness. This is the key to application, the key of its instructions for our life. Now, when it comes to application, there are two tools that I use whenever I study the Bible on how to draw out an application. The two tools are a level and a purpose. What are these two tools all about? Well, stick around. I've got to take a short break now, but when I come back, I'm going to continue this topic of application. How do we apply what we've learned from the Bible? And we're going to use these two tools of a level and a purpose. And don't forget to stick around to get today's code word for this fantastic book, Bible Readings for the Home. 
4,000 questions, all answered by the Bible. You have to have this book, so stick around. I'll see you right after this on The Faith Experiment. The Faith Experiment is made possible because of people like you. If you enjoy what we are doing, please consider supporting us by making a donation on our website at faithfm.com.au slash donate. You take what is and you make it beautiful When we restore forevermore. We pray that brings the day to life. We wash the peace, the dark with light. Only by the blood are we set free. With mercy strong to carry shame and nail it to a tree. Oh, you alone, oh, the power to redeem. Ooh, no guilt complete. With innocence crucified. Grave can hold what your grace has justified. Oh, yeah. We pray to bring the day to life with words that pierce the dark with light. Only by the blood are we set free. And with mercy strong to carry. The power to redeem mm-hmm. So rejoice, oh child of God Lift your eyes to see With every morning light
You're listening to The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen, right across Australia, right here on Faith FM. Welcome back to The Faith Experiment. I'm Robbie Bergen, and this is episode 28 of The Faith Experiment, which I'm calling Practice What You Preach. And coming up is today's code word for the free book, Bible Readings for the Home. Over 4,000 questions, all answered by the Bible. You absolutely want to stick around to get the code word for this free book. So before the break, we were talking about our third step of Ezra's Bible study framework, the do it stage or the application stage. And we saw that in the New Testament book of James in chapter 1, verse 22, we read that we're told to be doers of the word, not just hearers only. And so doing is the application stage of Bible study. So application, how do we find an application? Here are a few tools or a few helps that I use that might be useful for you in your faith experiment. The first thing I want to do in this stage of application is I want to identify and understand what the original application of the passage was to the original audience. What do I mean by that? Well, I want to know what was the original audience expected to do once they heard this message. For example, when we're reading about Noah, What was Noah supposed to do with the message that he received? Or Abraham, what was Abraham expected to do? Or what about Daniel? In all the stories around Daniel's life, what was the audience expected to do when they received the information, whether it was the visions or whether it was the teachings or whether it was the experiences? Or what about Mary, Mary's encounter in the Gospels? When she had the encounter from the angels, what was she expected to do? Or about Peter, when Peter received the call at the side of the Sea of Galilee, what was he expected to do? Or Paul. So when you go through any of these passages, when the original audience understood the message, what were they expected to do? Because this creates a very good foundation for us to draw application from. Now, I want to repeat this again because this is very important. When we're trying to understand the meaning of a passage, there's always only ever one. A passage only ever has one meaning, one one intent, one interpretation. But when it comes to application, there are many, many, many different ways to apply the meaning. And this is key. Let me give you an example that I think will help explain this process. I think every one of you who are listening out there today know what a ballpoint pen is, right? A ballpoint pen. Well, let's say we want to use our Bible study process to our ballpoint pen. Here's how the process would look. Our first stage is the observation stage. Now, if we held up our ballpoint pen and looking at this item, we would ask questions about this object that we're holding. And we'd ask the questions with our Um, seven questioning words of who, what, where, when, why, how, right? And by doing this, we could begin collecting data because observation is all about data collection. And so in the example of holding this ballpoint pen, we could ask these sorts of questions. What is this thing? It is a pen. What is it made of? Well, it's made of plastic and it's got ink and it's got steel. Well, what color is the plastic? Well, it's clear. Well, what color is the ink? It's blue. And where is the ink in relation to the actual item? The ink's on the inside. And what surrounds the ink? Well, it's plastic. And how is this pen used? You place the ink ball on a surface and you provide motion. 
Now, that's a really simplistic approach, but you get the idea. Observation stage is all about asking the questions and writing down the data that we collect from the questions. Now, if we were to take our, our ballpoint pen and move it to an interpretation phase, we could say this. Using all the information that we've collected from our observation phase, we have learnt and understood its function. Now, remember, at this stage, we're not drawing applications, we're not drawing conclusions, we're simply establishing what is the purpose of this object. And we could say this, what's the purpose of the ink? Well, at the most basic level, the purpose of the ink is to make a permanent mark. And then we could ask the question, well, why is the ink on the inside of this object on the outside? Well, obviously to avoid making a mess and to ensure that the ink is going down the one path to the ball point. And we got to ask this, what is the actual purpose of this item? Why was this item created? What's its intent? What's its purpose? And the answer is really just this. Its purpose is to record information. That's really it. It records information by making marks, permanent marks. So we've done our observation, we've done our interpretation. Now let's think of application. Now this is where we have finished our interrogation of the object. We've got all of our data. We've understood what its purpose is. Now we look, well, how do we use this thing? What's the purpose of this permanent mark making recording information device? What can we do with it? So here's some examples of how we might apply the interpretation of the object well, we could use this pen to write stories or we could use this pen to keep a diary. We could actually use this pen to draw pictures. We could use the pen to solve mathematical problems. We could fill out important documents. We could write letters. I could give this pen as a gift. I could use this pen to play games like noughts and crosses. I could use this pen to write in English, to write in Chinese, or any language on earth for that matter. And so once I understand the function and the purpose of the thing, that's the interpretation, now the application is up to me to use it based on its design. So you can see that there was only one interpretation for the object. The object's purpose was to make permanent marks. And no matter how hard you try, this pen will never be anything more than a permanent marker recording device. It's not ever going to be a sports car. It's not going to be a mobile phone. It's a pen. And that's all it will ever be. Now, how you use the pen is only limited by the imagination. You know, I remember reading a story back in 2003, I think it was. It was about a flight that was going from London to New York. And on the flight, there was a man who had some sort of medical emergency and his throat was either collapsed or something got stuck in there or whatever it was. And he was basically suffocating. He couldn't breathe. And so there was a doctor on the plane. And when he saw the situation, the first thing his mind went to was he asked anybody on the plane if they had a ballpoint pen. They, Someone said yes. They, he got the pen. He took the ball part off and he took the ink out and was left with just the round, clear shell or the tube of the pen. And with that, he performed a tracheotomy on this guy on the plane while flying from London to New York. And as a result, he was able to get the person to breathe and that person survived because the doctor 
understanding the, the design of the pen, was able to find another application for the pen. And I'm sure the designers of the pen never anticipated that pen would be used as a tracheotomy device. But that's what happens when you understand the function of something, you'll understand how it can be applied. And Bible study is no different. There's only ever one interpretation of the passage, but the applications can be many. And it's our privilege, it's our, it's our resolve as Bible students to use the laws of interpretation and then exercise our minds to find the application where the Bible helps solve our life problems. So here's my steps for applying biblical teachings. As I said, I like to find out the original application in the Bible. What was the original audience meant to do with this passage? And so I ask the following questions. I ask things like this. Is the thing that I'm studying, is it a command that we're called to obey? Is it an example I'm called to follow? Is it a transgression of the law and the command that we should avoid? Is it a promise from God that we can trust? Is it a warning that we should be cautious of? Is it a teaching that we should be keeping? Is it a truth we should believe in? Is it something that requires us to pray or to praise or to repent of? Is this a lesson from someone's life? Is it a behavior that I either should be having in my life or not having in my life? Or is it an error that I should be avoiding? Once I've asked these kinds of questions, I then move on to using my two tools, my tool of level and my tool of purpose. So, what's an application level? What's this tool all about? Well, all applications should address one or more levels. And here's what I mean when I talk about application levels. The first one is a personal level. Everything we study in the Bible should contain a personal application because this is what makes the difference in the life of the Christian. This is how the Word of God becomes something real and something tangible, a personal level. The second level is a family level. By taking what we've observed and what we've interpreted, we can apply it to our families. It, it Maybe it's going to resolve issues or build unity, but it is focusing on a family level. The next application is a church or community level. This is how we might apply a principle or a teaching or a command to our, our churches and our communities, like working together or what we're meant to be like or how we're meant to make a difference in the community. Another level is what I call a national level. Now, many times in the past, the teachings of the Bible were applied at national levels. And these biblical teachings were used to influence our moral and our civil laws. But this has obviously changed dramatically over the past few hundred years or so, probably even more so in the last 50 years. Another level is the universal or the world level. And there's much in biblical teaching that has an application for us on a global level, especially in relation to the great cosmic conflict and our role in the sin dilemma. And so that's application levels. The next tool is the application purpose. Every application which applies to a level should also address some sort of purpose. And these purposes could be the problems of sin, character defects, faith-building principles, a call to action, they provide biblical counsel for a problem or a situation. It might be just exalting Christ. It might be implementing the plan of salvation. Any one of these sorts of things, and there's plenty, plenty more, but every application will have a level that it's focusing on and a purpose that it's addressing. So let's do a couple of examples with our passage back in Matthew chapter 8, verse 1 to 3. 
Our passage taught the story of a leper coming to Jesus and asking to be healed, and Jesus healed him. So let's do two different examples of application using these application tools. We'll first pick a level, and for this example, we'll pick the level of a personal level. And then we pick a purpose, and we're going to pick the purpose of sin. So we'll draw out of our interpretation an application that addresses the problem of sin on a personal level. So let's do this real quick. In our story, we have a leper, and a leper has leprosy. Leprosy is a death sentence, and a leper is an outcast, a leper has deep shame, a leper feels lost and feels alone, and ultimately, a leper has no hope. But one day, this leper hears a story about a man who has the power to heal lepers. And at once, there's like this glistening hope in his heart, and and there's a seed that starts to germinate. Could it be that there really is some sort of hope, some sort of hope for me, the outcast, the, the alone one, the hurting one? Could there really be hope for me? This is what's happening in this leper's heart. And you see, the leper, he was told that the reason he has leprosy was because he's suffering the judgment of God because of his own deeds. That's why he has this leprosy. And so he thinks on this, and as he does, the hope starts to shrink. The doubts start to come in. But... There's something in this hope, this this word that he's heard that he refuses to give up on. And so the leper says in his heart, no, I'm going to arise and I'm going to go to this Jesus. I have no other hope than him. If I stay here, I will die in my leprosy. But if I go to him, there's hope. Maybe he is just. Maybe he will cleanse me from all my leprosy. And so the leper comes to Jesus And at the risk of being stoned for blasphemy, he falls down and worships Jesus, saying, Lord, I know that you have the power to heal. I've heard of it, but I'm a leper. I have a judgment of God in my head. I don't deserve healing, but will you heal me? And then we're told in the story that immediately Jesus puts out his hand and touches this leper and says, I'm willing, I am faithful, I am just, I will cleanse you from this death sentence. Now, in the Bible... Leprosy is a symbol of sin. So this is a sinner. This is a sinner who will die in his leprosy or in his sins if there's no hope. But this sinner, this leper, he hears of a man who has cleansed people of their sins or their leprosy. And so hope grows, faith develops in the sinner's heart and causes the sinner to act out his faith. He gets up. This faith causes him to get up and to go to this man of hope, this man of Jesus. And when the sinner comes to Jesus, Jesus says to the sinner, if you confess your sins, I am faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's from 1 John 1, verse 9. And guess what? Guess how long it takes me to cleanse you of your leprosy, of your sin? Immediately. I will forgive you. I will cleanse you of your sin immediately. So what are you waiting for? Come to Jesus now and he will cleanse you of your spiritual leprosy. So that was an example of how you can draw out an application of a personal level dealing with the problem of sin as our purpose. And we find an application and that application speaks to me today. 
as a spiritual leper, someone who has sin, someone who will die in their sin if I don't have hope. And that hope is in the person of Jesus. And guess what? When I come to Jesus, even though I feel ashamed, I feel guilty, I feel condemned, he says he is faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me from all my unrighteousness. And he does it immediately. So that's one example of an application being drawn out from the passage. Now let's do one more quick example of an application using the same passage, the same story, the same interpretations we've got, the same observations we've done, but different application. This time our purpose is a call to action and we'll choose the level of the church or community. So let's go through it again from this perspective. There's a multitude in this story and they've been listening to the teachings of Jesus. They're all amazed. They all follow him. But when a leper comes, when the unclean comes amongst them, the multitude disappear from the story. Now, how did this leper come to Jesus? Well, the Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So this multitude is like the church. It's listening to the teachings of Jesus. It followed Jesus down off the mountain. But sometimes when someone who is unclean comes into the church, we like to keep our distance because we don't want to be contaminated by them. And so we keep our distance. We sort of disappear from the story. But if we keep our distance... Who will take the teachings? Who will take the word which grows the faith? And who will share it with people like the leper? You see, someone had to have shared the story with the leper. The story that there's a man in town who can heal. Someone told him that this man, Jesus, someone who had seen him, someone who had heard him, had shared that Jesus can heal. And so in this story, there are two types of followers of Jesus. There's the multitude that disappear from the story when the unclean shows up. And then there's the follower of Jesus who shared what they had heard, and that inspired hope and inspired faith in the heart of the unclean. So which follower are you today? You're sitting here in your church today, you're hearing the word of God, which is the key to growing faith. But which one are you, the one that disappears when the unclean come by? Or are you the one that goes to the unclean and says, hey, I've heard that this man has the power to help. Which one are you today? So you see, we use the same passage the same interpretation, the same story. But because we understood the original meaning, we were able to have two completely different applications. One was based on a personal level dealing with sin, and one was based on a call to action for a church or a community. The same text, but two different applications. And this is the power of the Bible. Well, it's time to take a short break now, but when we come back, we'll continue looking at practicing what you preach. And don't forget to stick around to get today's code word for today's free offer, Bible Readings for the Home, the book with 4,000 questions all answered by the Bible. We'll be right back after this with The Faith Experiment. If you have enjoyed this episode of The Faith Experiment, please help us get the word out by sharing our podcast with your friends and family. And don't forget to like us on Facebook. See the birds that are singing in the spring air They're giving everything they need They don't worry where their next meal will come from They don't worry about a thing So just look around you and Try to listen to the song creation sings Don't you worry cause you're in the hands of the God who made everything. Mm -hmm. 
the flowers in their colorful beauty. They're dressed better than a king. They don't worry about what they should wear. No, they don't worry about a thing. So just look around you and try to listen to the song creation sings. And don't you worry 'cause you're in the hands of the God who made everything. Because you're you're not a bird and you're you're not a flower. You don't have petals or wings. But there is good news. You're worth so much more to the God who made everything. That they might bring. Try to remember that you're in the hands of the God who made every single thing. This is the Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen, right here on Faith FM. Welcome back to the Faith Experiment. I'm Robbie Bergen, and this is episode 28 of the Faith Experiment, which I'm calling "Practice What You Preach." And coming up is today's code word for the free book. Bible readings for the home. You won't want to miss this book. Now, before the break, we went through the process of extracting an application from a passage, and we looked at those two tools: the tool of finding application level and the tool of finding application purpose. So now we want to talk about the second part of our title. We've looked at what we are practicing. Now we want to talk about what we're preaching, and this comes from Ezra's last step in the Bible study process, which is to teach it. This is sharing something from the Word of God. You see, Bible study, it will have a studying component, it will have an application component, but it must also have a sharing component. And so, this part is probably the one that scares people the most because they don't. A lot of people I find don't like sharing with other people about the Bible and what they have learnt. But let me give you some examples from the Bible. Of what this step actually looks like, and how that absolutely any one of you listening right now is totally equipped and enabled to teach or to preach or to share what it is that you're practicing. And so, let's look at sharing. What is it? Well, well, the Bible calls us ambassadors, and an ambassador is somebody who represents somebody else, whether it's a king or a nation. That's what ambassadors' jobs are. They're to speak on behalf of somebody else. And Jesus tells us in the Bible that we are His ambassadors, and He commands us, in fact, in Matthew chapter twenty-eight, verse nineteen, to go and to teach all nations. And we're told in the book of Revelation that we overcome our adversary through the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. That's what we share. Now, why is this? Well. God could have used absolutely anything or anybody to share about Him and His power and what He does. He could have used angels, but the problem is, He didn't choose to reveal Himself through angels. He chose to reveal Himself through fallen, sinful human beings. And again, the question is, well, why? Why would Jesus choose? 
fallen human beings. Well, the whole purpose of preaching, or the whole purpose of teaching, is to share what God, what his power has done for us. That's the whole purpose of it. In reality, in our lives, in our own faith experiments, God wants us to share and to tell other fallen, sinful human beings what the power of God has done for us. You see, imagine if an angel came to you. I mean, that'd be pretty amazing, right? But the angel came to you and said, Hey, Janice, God wants to transform you. Or, Hey, Bruce, God wants to take away your addiction. The angel's telling you this. We'd be like, Yeah, sure, right, all right for you. What do you know about addiction? Do you know how hard it is to resist temptation? You don't have a clue what we're dealing with, and you want to tell me that God can take it away? Well, that's exactly the reason why God chooses to use humans. You see, imagine now if Robbie comes to you, and Robbie says to you, Hey, Anthony, hey, Judy, hey, Paul, hey, hey, Stuart, God can help you, he can transform you, He has the power to help you. He has the power to save you. And you say to me, well, how do you know, Robbie? And I'll say, because he's done it for me. God has been able to do it for me. And then you say, well, how? And then I share with you what the faith experiment has done in my own life. And when I can tell you that I have experimented with it, I have tasted, I have seen that it's good, his power is able to do what it says. When I'm able to say that to you, then you say, Wow, well, if it can work for you, maybe it can work for me. And that's the whole purpose of God choosing human beings to share with other human beings about him. You know, sometimes I have thought in my puny little brain that God really, he would be a lot more effective if he just came down and did some big supernatural thing. Everyone would believe in him and everyone would turn to him. But the reality is God's smarter than me, obviously, and God chose to not do that way. He chose to use us. Us, frail, sinful, fallen, broken human beings. And he decided to reveal himself to us individually. And as we grasp this faith thing and we put the experiment into practice, and as we can testify to what it is doing in our own life, as we share that, it inspires other people just like us to try the same thing. And so this whole idea of preaching or sharing is all based on the assumption that we have put into practice the words of these scriptures, these living, breathing witnesses of God. So, you see, we're all called to share what God has done for us. So let's look at a few examples in the Bible of how simple this process actually is. The first example comes from John chapter 4. It's a story about a Samaritan woman. And in the account, there's this woman who's struggling with something. It's some kind of lifestyle issue, some kind of social issue, some religious issues. And she's coming out to this well in the middle of the day, not normal in that time, in that culture, but she's coming out in the middle of the day to get water. And so Jesus goes out of his way to cross paths with this woman. John chapter 4, if you want to read the whole story. And when he does, he helps us see that he has something that she needs. And in the course of the exchange, she acknowledges it. She needs this thing that this man is talking about, this Jesus. And then she recognizes that the man sitting in front of her is the Messiah. You can read the whole story to get the whole picture. But at the end of the story, she recognizes that this man, Jesus, is the promised Messiah. 
Now, what does she do as soon as she has observed this man, as she's interpreted the message of his sayings? She puts it straight into practice. And notice what the account says in John chapter 4, verse 28 to 30. It says, The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and she said to the men, Come and see a man who told me all the things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. Here is the perfect example of the Bible study process. She observed the word of God in the person of Jesus. She interpreted what he was saying. She got the meaning. She applied it to herself, as in she believed that he was the Messiah. And that brought transformation that compelled her to go out and to share it with others. And notice that as she shared, she simply said this, Come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. That was it. There was no great persuasive essay. There was no compelling reasoning. There was no logic. It was simply, here's a man that's changed my life. Come and see. That was it. That, that's what the sharing was about. Another example is the one we just looked at back in Matthew chapter 8, our leper. The account is also recorded in Mark chapter 1, verse 45, and this is what it says after Jesus heals the leper and he's cleansed. It says that he went out in verse 45, chapter 1, Mark, he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter. Now, that's a fancy way of saying that he went out and told everybody that he had been healed by a person called Jesus. Another example, a blind man is healed by Jesus and is asked by the Pharisees, who healed you? And in response to this question in John chapter 9, verse 25, the, the blind man says, One thing I know, I was blind and now I see, and it was Jesus that did it for me. That was it. You see, the sharing or the preaching is really just sharing what has happened in your own life. It's when we get into these dilemmas where people start preaching and teaching and sharing things that they have no experience with, that we end up with problems. One last example. A man who was possessed of a devil. He was delivered by Jesus. You can read the whole story in Mark chapter 5. But after he is healed, the healed man goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, I want to tag along with you. I want to go everywhere you go. But Jesus turns this man and he says in Mark chapter 5 verse 19, he says, no, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had compassion on you. And then the text says, And he departed and began to proclaim all that Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. You see, that's all sharing is. Sharing is just simply telling people what you discovered in your faith experiment. You tried it, you had a result, and then you share the results. That's all the sharing part is. And Ezra is very clear that in the Bible study framework, there's the preparing of the heart. That's the personal preparation. Then there's the seeking of the law of the Lord. That's the Bible study part, the observation, the interpretation. And then there's the doing it, putting it into practice, applying it to your own life. And then the last and final result is you can't help but share with somebody the results of your faith experiment. You see, in all these examples, the person who encountered Jesus had an experience they had a first-hand encounter with Jesus, and it was that experience that enabled them to share what their encounter had been like. And it's that sharing that encourages new people, people who don't even know the power of God and the power of His Word. It, it compels them to join the great faith experiment. 
You see, sharing is nothing more than telling people what's happened to you in your faith experiment. That's it. There's no formula. There's no right way. There's no wrong way. The only condition is, is that you have put into practice what you have learned. Now, I would love to hear from you what your life was like before you started your faith experiment. And then how did you come to start your faith experiment? And then third question, what is your life like now after your faith experiment has begun? So text me or email me your story. I would love to hear your story. You can email me your story on Robbie at faithofm.com.au or you can text me on 04888 That's 04888 There is nothing more exciting than hearing and seeing how God has put power into individual lives to bring transformation. And that is the entire purpose of studying the Bible. Well, this brings an end to our Bible study topics that we've done for the last few episodes. I really hope that you've found something that can help you in your faith experiment, that can help grow your faith and, and develop you as you as you put into practice the teachings of these old ancient texts that still have power in life today. Now, I mentioned at the top of the show that I have this great book called Bible Readings for the Home. 4,000 questions this book has, and it has 4,000 answers, all coming directly from the Bible. You must get this book. It is an absolute must. If you want to get a free copy of this book, all you need to do today is to text the code word to 04888845311. And here is the code word. The code word is hash, the hash symbol, F-E for faith experiment, and BR for Bible readings. That's all one word. Hash F E B R. Hash F E B R. Text that to 04 and the Faith FM giveaway bot will reply to you asking for your details and we will get that book to you as soon as possible. So I hope you have enjoyed our little sub series on the Faith Experiment about Bible study themes. Let me know what you think. Text me through or email me. I would love to hear your thoughts, your comments, your questions. And on the next episode, we're going to start a very interesting journey on the Faith Experiment. So make sure you tune in right here on Faith FM next week for the Faith Experiment. I'll see you then. You have been listening to The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen. Connect with us via text message on 04888-45311. That's 04888-45311. Or send an email to robbie at faithfm.com.au and let us know what you thought of this episode.